I don't know if you had this feeling. Jeremy mentioned it a minute ago when we were, um, he was leading worship. There are a lot of expectations uh, that come with the Christmas season. You notice that? There's a lot of um, pressure. There's a lot of ideas about what's going to be going on. How many of you, of you would say that your stress level goes up during the holidays? How many of you would say that? How many of you would say that? Because the rest of you are liars, and that's okay, because we're going to have an altar call in a minute. No, I, no, I actually got the stats on this. 10% of people say that they feel no additional stress during the holidays. So the other 90% of us, eyes are about to pop out. Right? Because we got all this pressure. So what I did is I found the top 11 things that people dread about Christmas. Wouldn't you just love to know that? The top, look, let's just be honest. There's some things I'm looking forward to, and there's some things I am not looking forward to. And if you're honest, you probably feel the same way. Or either you just forgot because it was a year ago. But you'll remember. It's coming. You'll remember. I promise. Here it is. The top 11 things people dread about Christmas. Number 11, holiday tipping. People dread that. I don't, I don't know why. I guess, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny, as I read these, I thought, there's a line in the gospel according to Scrooge I could attach to most 11 of these. 10, having to be nice. <laughs> well, I, don't even, I don't even know what to do with that. You dread being nice? Man, they're like a flower garden the rest of the year, aren't they? Love to be around them. Number nine, having to attend holiday parties and events. Uh, yeah, I guess if you got too many, for sure. Number eight, disappointing gifts. You dread that? How do you dread that? Just re-gift it. Problem solved. <laughs> Find the person you like the least and say, I got you something. You're a hero. I don't think we're thinking this through. Seven, seasonal music. I love, anybody love Christmas music? I love Christmas music. I love it. It makes me smile. How do you dread that? I don't know. I think Scrooge filled all these out. Number six, seeing certain relatives. Okay. All right. Let's just be honest. We're getting close to the top now. Right? <laughs> We're definitely getting into real land. Number five, traveling. Oh, yeah. Traveling. Yeah. You know, I heard uh, this week, uh, this Thanksgiving was the Thanksgiving that Americans traveled the most since 2005. In 12 years, this is the most cars on the road, so it wasn't your imagination if you thought there were a lot of cars out there. Number four, gift shopping. Yeah, right? Right, sure. Self-explanatory. Number three, getting into debt, which is associated directly with gift shopping. I don't know if you connected those two. Number two, gaining weight. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. Seems like everything that's supposed to go up goes down. Everything that's supposed to go down goes up. You notice that? <laughs> Number one, crowds and long lines, i.e. Galleria. We'll re just you know, reference that as often as we can. Hey, I hope you have a, a big Christmas this year. I really do. Uh, I mean a really big one. I don't mean, I don't mean busier. I mean bigger. I don't mean bigger decorations. Maybe, maybe you've seen a picture... Um, of this house right here, and you, you kind of have an idea. Let me, let me see if we can, can we pull that up? Here's a little house picture. There you go. Anybody recognize that house? That is the Clark Griswold decorated house from Christmas Vacation. 
And maybe you have a tendency to overdo it, right? So when I say big Christmas, I don't mean like your decorations are bigger. I don't mean bigger presents. Now, I promise you every kid in our church would like love that, right? Bigger, bigger presents. The holiday promotions almost make us feel guilty, you know, if we don't go into debt up to our ears and bust our budget so they can make theirs. Uh, one store had out in front, in front of the store, in big letters, make your Christmas last all year long. Charge everything. <laughs> Who is this designed to help? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't understand that. Bigger presents. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I don't mean bigger Christmas trees. You haven't lived until you've drug a giant live tree bleeding sap all over your carpet across your house only to realize it's too tall and the five-inch trunk will not fit in the three-inch holder. You fight that thing for three weeks and finally it dries up and dies and sheds all over your house like a big dog. You drag it out into your backyard and you burn it and it goes off like a napalm bomb. And look, enough about me, though. Uh, you haven't lived. I don't mean a bigger Christmas tree. However you celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a big Christmas. But in order to do that, I'm just going to suggest to you, I think what you're going to have to do in order to have a bigger Christmas is you're going to have to simplify it a little bit. So what are your Christmas expectations? What are you expecting from Christmas this year? When Christmas is over, will you be happier? Will you be better rested? Will you be closer to those you love? Will you be more loving to everyone? Will you be more peaceful? Will you be more joyful? <clears throat> Will you be a better person? Will Christmas deliver what our culture promises? I've got a question for you. If Christmas, the Christmas season is so full, why is it when it's over we feel so empty? Will the the consumption of things and experiences make you a better person. You and I are wired to constantly want more. More stuff and more experiences and more adventure because the myth is that is what will satisfy us, but it never satisfies us. The only thing that will ever satisfy you and I is to have a deep connection with Jesus. That's the only thing. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about celebrating a simple Christmas, which is what we call this series. And in a few weeks together, we're going to share my favorite service of the entire year, which is uh, on Christmas Eve. We're going to come together for one service. We're going to have Christmas communion. And it's going to be a great service, and I hope you're able to make it if you're still in town. So this morning, we're going to begin the Christmas series with a simple message, I've only got two points. I promise you every week this is going to be, this is simple Christmas. I'm going to make it simple. It's not going to be complicated. And we're going to have simple thoughts each week. So it'll be easy on your brain and good for your soul. So here's, and I'll give you the two points of the day right now if you're taking notes. Do less, worship more. I, I heard about a, a church who had a little children's Christmas play, low budget. Maybe you remember these. It was basically a reenactment of the nativity scene. All the songs had been sung and all the candles had been lit. The shepherds watched as Mary placed the little, you know, 
a cute life-size baby doll down in the little manger wrapped in a little blanket. And then right on cue, the three wise men brought their little gifts. You know, the angels sang their last song, and the cast slowly exited the stage. The wise men had little tinfoil crowns and the bathrobe shepherds, and the preschoolers had these woolly little cotton sheep outfits on, and only Mary and Joseph and the child were left on the stage. And finally, Joseph noticed his cue, and he exited the stage, and then Mary uh, quickly followed him. And then about halfway off the stage, Mary suddenly remembered something. She whipped around and ran back, and she snatched the little baby Jesus by the foot and tucked that doll up under her arm, and she said, Hey, wait on me. I forgot Jesus. There's a lot of truth there, isn't it? You get so caught up in doing the holiday stuff that you forget Jesus. With all the shopping and the eating and the traveling and the being nice <laughs> and the experiences, we're tempted to forget. Isn't it ironic that a celebration built around Jesus' birth has become consumed with so many other things? So let's look at these two thoughts this morning. One, do less. Do less. Now I can feel all the objections rushing to the front of the room like mercury to the top of a thermometer. How do I do that? You don't understand my situation. What I'm simply saying is despite what our culture is telling us, the path to fully experiencing Jesus and Jesus at Christmas is not to do more, it's to actually do less. So what would it look like if we made an effort to do less? Well, it's not going to happen accidentally. Because everything in our culture is pushing all of us to do more, go faster, you know, have more, get more, experience more, you deserve more, because they're selling things. <laughs> what would happen if we spent less time on stuff and more time on substance? What would that look like? Friday after uh, Thanksgiving, we were decorating at our house. And, uh, you know, we pulled all them Christmas boxes up and all that stuff was coming out of there. And we were hanging stuff and decorating. And, you know, I looked at the two or three boxes that were left over and I, I kind of lifted the lid. I put that back down. <laughs> said, you know, boys, I think we've decorated enough. Uh, I, you know what we're going to do this year? We're going to decorate less. You know why? Because I'm tired. I'm not going to hang another green or red, silver or gold thing. We are done. And so we packed that junk up and we shoved it back in the closet downstairs. And I sat down. And you know what I felt? Happiness. <laughs> it's incredible. I looked around and I said, this is enough. So I don't know how it'll look for you. But there has to be some kind of intentional engagement. Knowing this series was coming, I said, how would I practice that in my life? Well, there's a picture that maybe you've seen before. We'll go ahead and put it up. Stephen Covey wrote a book. It's the first person I heard it from. Maybe it's been around longer. Called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And you have these two jars that he uses to illustrate priorities. And what's interesting is the two jars are exactly the same size. And both jars have exactly the same amount of rocks in them and exactly amount, the same amount of sand in them. But one of them is flowing over the top and one of them is neatly packed 
inside the jar. And so this uh, picture is an illustration for us that if you don't put the big rocks in first, they're not going to fit. And so what happens is if you and I are caught reacting and filling our life with all the things that just keep showing up, because I've lived long enough to figure out things are just going to keep showing up. Check your mailbox and your email inbox and your text. It just keeps showing up. Facebook, it just keeps showing up. And if you keep reacting to life and filling your life up with the things that culture hands you or the things that just show up, the things that are most important, the biggest rocks, aren't going to fit in. And you always are caught chasing this dream of, I wonder when we are going to experience that abundant life that Jesus said he died to give us. I wonder when we are going to engage in this or whatever. And it's oftentimes because we haven't made that shift in our praise. But if you put the big rocks in first, all the little junk will jam in around it. And so he always used this as a picture of priorities. Things that are to be placed in order of importance. The big rocks first, then the other rocks. I read this week uh, when I was studying for this message, somebody put it this way. Those who don't seek God's kingdom first, Matthew 6.33, don't seek God's kingdom at all. Because the only way to engage the kingdom is to make it your priority. There isn't another way. Jesus doesn't allow us another way. So this is a good picture to think through at Christmas. We're tempted to be lost in an ocean of red and green and swept away by a tide of cultural forms of celebration. So let me just give you a few shifts from one of those jars to the other, how that might look. Don't be overwhelmed by gift giving and forget the Father who gave His only Son. Don't become obsessed with decorations and forget the adoration of Jesus. Don't stress over sales so much that you forget the price of your salvation. Don't trade the bread of life for the desserts and the Christmas food. Put the big rocks in first. And that might mean you got to do less. Maybe you got too many rocks. I don't know. So here's the second thought. Do less, worship more. There's a simple story in the Bible you may already know. Luke 10, 38 is short, so I'm just going to read the story to you about two sisters uh, who were um, preparing because Jesus and some of his crew were coming over to their house, and they were kind of getting ready for all that, and you see how this plays out. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way to, to these sisters' house, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She ca- that word distracted is very important. We'll look at that in a minute. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? <laughs> you ever thought that? If you cared, I feel like you'd have done something different. Like, show me you care by your actions. Don't you care? Don't you care? you believe she's saying this to Jesus? I, I can only believe it because I've said it to him. It's human nature to say that to Jesus when he isn't acting the way you think he should. Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me! Exclamation point. Get with it, Jesus! Right? 
She has got her hands on her hips. I guarantee it. You got the picture. Some of you live with the picture. I digress. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. Duh. Didn't take a psychologist to figure that out. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Well, I'd like to know what that is. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. In other words, I heard your request, and the answer is no. I'm not going to take it away from her. Now, Jesus cared very much about both sisters, Mary and Martha. They were both really good ladies. This isn't about evil and good and all that. They were both very valuable to the church. But in the story, we see a clear contrast. It's clear that Mary has a deep spiritual hunger, and she's putting the big rocks into the jar first. Mary listened to the words of Jesus. She soaked it up. She sat at his feet. She's learning from him. She's worshiping. Martha was stressed by all the things she needed to do. Let's face it, she's a perfect picture of holiday stress. Martha was distracted. Now, here's why that's important. Here's what the Greek word for distracted literally means. To draw around. To twist. To draw here and there. Here and there. Martha was being twisted by the pressure. She was being drawn from one thing to another and frayed apart. And this gives us a vivid picture of what was happening inside her life. Martha was being totally twisted by the stress and anxiety and the pressure of preparing for the guests. She was being drawn so, uh, into so much pressure of how she would prepare for her guest that she lost the focus of her guest. Martha was focused on getting things ready. And Martha had many guests and many needs to meet, and the issue was not the lack of effort. The issue was focus. The same is true of us during the holidays. How often do you, you know, how much time do you spend in getting things ready? Preparing and unpacking and decorating and wrapping. And how much time do you spend focusing on the, uh, the meaning of Christmas and your family and Christ's mission and the big rocks? You know, I wonder if this Christmas could be the Christmas that someone we invite to Scrooge, their entire life has changed permanently. What about, what about something like that? Martha was allowing the situation to control her, and the way she handled it wasn't good. And the response of Martha was to focus her frustration where? On her sister. If you got two girls, you know what's going to happen. Right? The other one's going to take the fall. This is how it's going to happen. The boys will just punch each other in the head and hide it. The girls, oh no, they're going to run a campaign. This is his sister. It's her fault. Wearing my clothes for three years, and I'm done with it. Make her get out of my bedroom. Right? Look at Martha's complaint in verse 40. 
Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Doesn't the frustration just ooze from her words? Have you ever said similar things around the holidays when there just wasn't enough time to get things done? Martha issues her complaint to Jesus, and the complaint was legitimate. Martha had a legitimate reason to be stressed. She had a lot to do. There was food to be cooked and places to be set and drinks to be poured and needs to be met. She was trying to meet those needs on her own with no help from Mary. Now, here's a thought. Here's a thought. Did she ever ask Mary for help? Not that we read. Hey, that's a good word for a lot of us. You can't isolate yourself down into a work bubble trying to get all, everything done by yourself and then complain that nobody helps you when you don't ask. Ask. Now, Martha didn't. Martha waited till it got to a volcanic point and then she demanded. Jesus, you ever wanted Jesus to fix somebody you love? Be honest. Do not elbow your spouse. Be honest. Jesus, get them. Fix them. The fact was, what Martha was doing was important. Nobody questioned that. Nobody questioned that what Martha was doing was needed. It was needed. I mean, people had to eat. Things had to happen. The fact that Martha was generous and giving and a loving person was never questioned. Her motive wasn't questioned. So what was questioned? The issue was what was important. Her priorities were questioned. Martha seemed to forget the importance of being with Jesus. Being with Jesus is more important than serving for Jesus. So Martha's problem was essentially that she was too busy. Martha was trying to do too many things for too many people in too short of time. And the result was she was becoming frazzled. Jesus points out the needed priority. Simple Christmas. <laughs> one thing. What's the one thing? Worship. Martha lost sight of the priority of having a relationship with Jesus. She was so busy serving Jesus that she stopped being with Jesus. And Mary was worshiping Jesus and Martha was complaining about it. You know, we get so busy celebrating Christmas that we sometimes forget what Christmas is about. And Jesus praises Mary's choice. And what he basically tell her, tells her is this. Hey, uh, Martha... Do less and worship more. I'm not doubting your motive. I'm not doubting your gifts. I'm not doubting the value of your service to the church and to the kingdom and to this group. I'm just saying you put some of the smaller rocks in the jar first. And you need to put some of the bigger ones in first. The simple truth is we can see Christmas through the eyes of a Martha world. Or we can see Christmas through the heart of a Mary. You don't know where in the New Testament are we instructed to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible that I'm aware of. That we're instructed to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But we are invited again and again to celebrate the death of Jesus. We call it communion. When you come together and we drink the little juice and eat the little bread... 
that symbolizes Jesus' blood that he shed on the cross and his body that was broken on the cross, and we celebrate his death, which communion is a symbol of our fellowship with Jesus. It's a symbol of our relationship with him. So how do you live in a Martha world and celebrate a Merry Christmas? <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Chances are you're probably already doing too much. You probably already have too much planned. And you probably already started doing too much. So I'm not going to be able to give you any thoughts that you're going to be able to walk over like the star on the Christmas tree and add to the pile. It's not going to support it. It, it, you, you can't add more to one of those jars that already has rocks coming out the top. So the point is not to do, to do more. And the point, by the way, is not just to do less. The point's not just to do less. Well, we're going we're gonna to buy less, we're going to eat less, we're gonna, and, and then that'll be it. No, 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 that's not the point. The point is to do less <clears throat> so that you might make room for what's most important. There's a, there's a phrase we use around Kingwood a lot. If you've been around Kingwood, uh, we say it like this. Make space for God and he will fill it. So it's not just about creating a vacuum. It's not just about doing less. It's not just about you know, stripping everything down to bare minimum. It's about strategically making space for God. Now here's what's awesome about that. So he will fill it. You don't even have to fill it with your content. It doesn't even have to be good. <laughs> it's, it, your relationship with God is not about what you bring to the table. It's about you coming to the table. As you are with what you have. I, I, so when you come from a, um, a mostly non-Christian background as I did, all of these things look strange and you wonder, how, how would a Christian celebrate Christmas? How is it different? What do we What do we do? different how do you how do you fit it in and if you're not careful you, you you wait you wait till you figure it all out you know maybe next year maybe next year I'll get an easier start most of the time we don't do spiritual things because we feel unqualified like I don't really know what I'm doing I never took any Bible classes I'm not a pastor I'm not ordained I'm not licensed I, I don't I'm not a professional Christian I don't I don't know even what I would do let's let's just fix that this morning okay I want you to raise your right hand. Raise your right hand. I'll just stare at you until you do it. I mean, I got time. And, and I just want you to repeat this after me, okay? And for some of you, it's going to sound weird coming out your own mouth. But it is what the Bible says about you. I am a priest of God. I have authority. In Christ. And I have access to his presence. You're qualified. You're ready. When Jesus died and he tore the veil separating the holy place from the holy of holies, top to bottom, and he, he saturated the altar with his blood and opened a new covenant, he gave you the same access to himself that any other human who's ever lived on earth has ever had. And, and you have that same access. So, you have the same authority as anybody else to be in his presence. 
So it's not how creative you can get. It's not do we plan a family devotional and it's got to be, you know, I, I always felt this pressure that it had to be really good because this is God, right? If I'm going to do good for the world stuff, if I'm going to do a good, good quality for, you know, a hobby or what I'm doing for me, if it's for God, it's got to be even better. You gotta, and you go Clark Griswold, you know, on the lights. You know, we're going to kill it. If you're not careful, you never do anything because you can't figure out how to kill it. So you just have to let all those expectations go. And you say, you know what? Jesus already killed it. I'm just going to show up. So can I just, can I give you some practical ideas on what you could do? First, you've got to make space. You're going to have to do less of something. And then when you make the space, what do you put in it? There's an incredible thing called spiritual disciplines. That um, there's, a, there's a book called uh, Celebration of... Uh, Disciplines by Richard Foster. It's an absolute classic. And it's, a, it's nine chapters, one on you know, worship. and So uh, just basic spiritual disciplines, how you can kind of engage God. Uh, here's some ideas. Solitude. Spend 15 or 30 minutes with God by yourself, doing nothing, not praying, not talking. Just pull a chair up next to you and say, you know what, Jesus? You're the reason for this whole deal. So I'm going to come and sit with you. That's called the spiritual discipline of solitude. Simplicity. It's a spiritual discipline. His chapter on simplicity is wonderful. I reread it last night. Fasting. Boy, that's countercultural, isn't it? <laughs> what if you were to take a meal a week and say, instead of spending 30 minutes eating, I'm going to fast and drink water, and I'm just going to spend time with Jesus? Just an idea. You don't have to do anything. Giving. Totally countercultural from how we're celebrating. Here's an idea. You could read the Christmas story in all four Gospels. Just read it through one a week or something. Have a prayer night. You know, maybe what you could do as your family gathers, and um, we've done this for years, uh, not quite this way. We've done it a different way, but here's a way you could do it. See, I really don't know what to do. Come together. Go around a circle in your family and just ask, do you guys have anything that you would like uh, to pray about? Is there anything that you'd like Jesus to do in your life? And some of them are going to have you know, answers and some of them are going to know. And that's okay. But what you do is you go around and you each pray for each other. And just spend a minute letting everybody pray for each other. That's it. <laughs> and Jesus is in the middle of you. Because where two or three or more gathered in my name, Jesus said, I'm going to be there. So he's there. Um, maybe you could say, you know what, our family's going to go to, um, to church every Sunday of this Christmas series up until Christmas Eve communion. We're going to, end, we're going to make sure we're there every week because we want, to, we want to make sure we got the big rocks in there. Uh, invite somebody to Christmas lunch that has no family or has nowhere else to go. Jesus said, when you offer a cup of cold water in my name, what does he say? You, you did it to me. What does that mean? That means Jesus' presence is in that moment. When you offer something in Jesus' name, Jesus, pre Jesus promised to be in that moment. And you offer a, a, a warm meal to someone on Christmas who has nowhere else to go, Jesus is going to be in that moment. 
You put the big rocks in them. Uh, some some uh, of you, and, and I had this challenge as I was a kid, family coordination is very complicated because you may have unsaved relatives and, or whatever, and, and it's not easy. I understand that. There's all kind of complications. Sort of. Here's what I just want to encourage you to do. I've given you a few ideas. There are, you know, hundreds that I've never even thought of and things that will come to your mind. There is no wrong way. Make space. Meet God. Let him fill it. That, that's it. You don't, have to, you don't have to make up anything awesome, anything incredible. You're, you actually don't have anything to bring. You don't have anything to give. You just bring yourself and, and give God a minute. Sing, sing a worship song or two together. I mean, basically, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Break it down to the simplest level you can and then start there. Like whatever your first idea is, I almost guarantee it's going to be too much. So break it down into a smaller piece, smaller piece, smaller piece, and start there. And if you can add more, add more. But start at the lowest spot you can and find Jesus. <laughs> and, and you'll start to swim upstream from everything this culture is trying to give you this season. Here's a, here's a thought I want to leave you with today. The more we do the important stuff, the less tempted we will be to do the unnecessary stuff. The more we do the important stuff, the less tempted we will be to do the unnecessary stuff. So it's not through determination or a willpower or commitment, but when I actually put the bigger rocks in the jar first and I make that life-giving connection with Jesus, it actually fills my soul with life and wonder and satisfaction. And those other less necessary things, those smaller rocks, just become less important to me. And they fade. They're not as valuable. They're not as, they're not as good. They're not as appetizing. I don't long for them as much. I don't desire them as much. Because I've shifted into a little bit different gear. I, I still celebrate those things. I've got a Christmas tree. We're going to do presents. We're going to eat. We're going to do all this stuff. We're going to watch Christmas movies. That's some really fun Christmas movies I like to watch. We're going to spend family. We're going to do all those things. But, but somewhere in it, you've got to make sure that you... you if you've got to cancel something or pull something back make some space if you give the space you make to God he will fill it if you make space and don't give it to God it will just be empty would you stand with me this morning hey I think this is going to be a refreshing series and uh, it's just going to be this practical each week so I want to encourage you to come and celebrate Christmas with us. We're not going to be, you know, pounding on you. We're going to be trying to lift you up and empower you, strengthen you, encourage you, inspire you, love you. That's what the Christmas season is all about. Us reconnecting with the miracle of Jesus. Christmas is always a time for miracles. That's how it feels to me. Because I'm reminded of how big a miracle Jesus' birth was and why he came. So this morning, um, we're going to end a little bit differently. We're just going to make some space. We ended a few minutes early, and so we're just going to make a little space. And I guarantee you, if you'll make some space in your heart right now, God will fill it. 
So would you just close your eyes for a minute? And I, I want to ask our prayer team if you'd come. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm not sure. Maybe you're a relative visiting from out of town or whatever. Well, however you got to this service, we're just glad you're here. And um, you say, I'm not sure I have a real relationship with Jesus. But I feel a draw in my heart today that I need to connect or reconnect. I want to have a real relationship with Jesus. With nobody looking but me, would you just lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Would you pray for me? I, I need a real relationship with Jesus today. Most important thing. All you're doing is really kind of making space right now. And God's going to fill it in your heart. Would you lift your hand? Say, that's me. Yeah, thank you. Saw your hand. Somebody else. Just lift your hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Would you just pray for me? Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else before we pray? If you lifted your hand or you didn't, but you, you want to have a real relationship with Jesus, I want you just to pray this prayer with me. And we're, it's a prayer of making space and God's going to fill it. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life right now. Wash away all of my sin. Forgive me for everything I've done wrong. Lord, I ask you to heal me. Wash me. And to make me new and whole. Restore what's been broken. Fix me. Give me the strength to live for you. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name. Now here's what I want you to do with every eye closed. We're just going to begin to worship for a minute. And if you need prayer today, if you raised your hand to pray that prayer, when we begin to worship, I want you to come to one of the prayer team and just say, hey, I prayed that prayer this morning. Would you just pray with me that God's going to help me to live a relationship with Him? Or if you have a prayer need, you're ending the holidays, if you have a prayer need, a financial need, or a physical need, a need, a relationship need, as we worship this morning, make space for God, I promise you, if you'll make space in your heart, He'll fill it. We begin to worship. The prayer team will begin to worship with us. If you need prayer, you come. Otherwise, let's all just worship for a minute. Lord, we worship you. Come on, worship you.